Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. firmly on the verse of scripture that says lo i am with you always i ain't getting on that ride i'm sorry i don't like heights hold on close your eyes clench your teeth and perhaps your cheeks some of you'll get that about three o'clock this afternoon y'all don't even you know, see it's this roller coaster we call life it uh, life can spin you around it can turn you inside out and some of you recognize this morning that life is all about this ends and ups and downs and twists and turns and it jerks you around and you're like i don't want to make it stop anybody ever wanted your world just to stop yeah see jesus walks into that kind of an experience and he makes what i have told you is what i believe is perhaps the greatest promise to us next to salvation jesus walks right into this crazy ride we call life and he makes this promise he says it in john chapter 15 verse 11 he says these things have i spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full jesus promises us that right in the middle of a crazy life right in the middle of an up and down an up and down day an up and down week a a good week a bad week a good month a bad month how many of you ever had a good year and a bad year some of you even had good decades and bad decades jesus walks onto that kind of ride and he says i have made it possible for my joy to be in you and not only that that your joy might be full anybody want to be full of joy the fullness of the joy of the lord in you and so we've been talking about joy and we've been talking about some important things that we have to know for instance in week one i told you that jesus said that he would make his joy full in you if we would do what he said to do in the verses that precede that because in the verses that precede that he says that one of the ways that god enables us to have fullness of joy is he requires us to be willing to accept and embrace pruning yep god will cut things and cut people out of your life even people that you think are blessing you at some times in your life he will cut those things away because he recognizes that if he can prune you he can make room for fullness of joy yeah and then he says not only that you will receive fullness of joy if you become rooted in me and jesus says the way that you can tell whether or not you're rooted in him is whether or not god's word has a home in you not just the word you get on sunday the word you get all week long the word that you're digesting on a daily basis sets up a house a home a residence in you because then he goes on and he says not only must my word be make be made at home in you you must also begin to obey my commands how many of you know that you're not very happy you don't have any joy when you disobey but as long as you're obeying and you're living according to the word you find that you are full of joy and so he says, you've got to do that. Then in second week, I read to you out of Nehemiah, uh, the passage in Nehemiah where Ezra stands up and he says, the joy of the Lord 
is our strength. And I submitted to you that we underestimate the joy of the Lord. We underestimate the strength that is ours. How many of you know that when you're strong, when you're, you're strong, you're usually full of joy. But in your weak moments, when you've lost your joy, you become more vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So we've got to make sure that we have the joy of the Lord down in us because it makes us strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said this to you out of Hebrews that the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. And so I made this statement that if Jesus' joy enabled him to face death, then surely his joy in you can empower you to face life. See, I don't know all of your stories, but some of you are facing some difficult things. Some of you are fighting some things. Some of you have had some things go wrong. This life isn't exactly what you mapped it out to be. There's been a twist, a turn, a zig, a zag, and you're all down in the dumps. And what I said to you was that if Jesus could endure the, the death that he endured on the cross, the pain of the cross, the, 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 the destruction of the cross, and he was able to do that because of joy, then surely... You can face what you're facing right now. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, get some joy. You're going to make it, baby. Come on, tell them. You're going to be able to hang on. Just because of joy, you're going to be able to hang on. And then last week I quoted to you Psalm chapter 16, which says this, in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. And I said to you out of that that there is only one location in which joy can be found, and that location is in his presence. I just came to tell you, you might think you found joy in your car, but your car's going to break down. I want to tell you this morning that some of you think you found joy in your house, but your house is going to break down. I, I think some of you think you found joy because you found a relationship, but I got some news for you this morning. That relationship might even break down. The reality is, is that there's only one location in which you can find fullness of joy, and that is in the presence of God. It's the only place. And then I said to you that because of that, we cannot confuse our condition with our location. Because if we can ever understand that our condition has no bearing on our location, what that means is I can be locked up in a jail cell and long about midnight, even though I'm in chains and even though I've been beaten and even though I've been abused, I can still rise up and sing and I can still have a shout and I can still have a praise because my condition has absolutely nothing nothing to do with my location and my location eats my condition for breakfast and so my location is secure so my condition doesn't matter come on tell somebody your condition doesn't matter come on tell them your condition doesn't matter if your location's right and so I want us to wrap up this morning uh, and I want to ask you a simple question that will set the pace for us today here's the question have you checked your oil lately that's the question. Let me see if I can help you this morning. I want you to turn with me into Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, the writer uh, kind of changes gears a little bit in this passage. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Uh, the, the angel begins to talk about Jesus. The angel of the Lord talks about Jesus. The angel, y'all going to get this. The, the angel of the Lord begins to describe what is what has happened with Jesus. And so he says this. He says, but to the Son, he says. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. Now, talking about Jesus here. You love justice and you hate evil. This is about Jesus, y'all. You, you love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, 
has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Just talking about Jesus. He just says, Jesus, you loved justice and you hate evil. Therefore, your Father, your God, has anointed you by pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Then in the Old Testament, there's a passage of Scripture. We know this passage of Scripture. It's, it's familiar to us. It's Isaiah chapter 61. We know it because it's a messianic prophecy. It's the prophet standing up and beginning to prophesy that one day, someday, a Messiah would come upon the scene. And we know this passage of Scripture because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up in the temple to pronounce that he's on the scene. And he takes the scroll of Isaiah and he rolls it out. And he turns to what we would call chapter 61. No chapters in that day. But he turns to this particular passage and he quotes the first part. We like the first part. We know the first part. We overlook the last part. Let, let, let me see. Jesus says it like this in Luke 4, and Isaiah says it like this in, Luke, in Isaiah chapter 61. Listen to what he says in verses 1. The, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We like that. I'm so glad Jesus quoted that part because most of us are poor. Okay. Maybe you're not. He, he, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I love it when Jesus quoted that because most of us have been brokenhearted. Have y'all ever had a broken heart? Yeah, I can draw. I can take you to the picture and show it to you. Show, show you to her. Uh, to, to you. I, I can remember. He says, I, 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 I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. We know that when we like this part too. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor because we all like favor because favor ain't fair. And the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them. Here it is. Here it is. This is the part that Jesus didn't quote, but just because he didn't quote it doesn't mean he can't still do it. He says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isaiah stands there and declares the job description of Jesus. So some thoughts this morning. Jesus' joy was a direct result of love and hate. The writer of Hebrews reveals that Jesus was literally anointed with the oil of joy because he loved justice. And another, another version says, Jesus, you were anointed with the oil of joy because you loved righteousness. Stay with me now. I'm going somewhere. And then he says, not only that, you were not only anointed because you loved justice, but you were also anointed with the oil of joy because you hated evil. Another version says you hated iniquity or you hated unrighteousness. What brought the anointing of the oil of joy on Jesus was the fact that he hated what God hates and he loved what God loved. And what I came to tell you on this Sunday morning is this, is that the, what brought the anointing of the oil of joy on Jesus' life will bring it on your life too. Y'all not getting this, I don't think. That. Too often, here's what happens is we have no anointing of joy. We, we want to talk about I want to be anointed to sing and I want to be anointed to, to shop and I want to be, that's, we don't ever ask for that one. 
Uh, that, that's a given. That's just one of those natural anointings that some individuals have. I'm not going to say who. Uh, uh, we we want to be anointed to preach. We want to be anointed to witness. We want to be... But when is the last time we stopped and thought about this fact? We can be anointed to have joy. And yet, too often we have no anointing of joy because we don't love what he loves and we don't hate what he hates. I'm just trying to help you this morning. See, I think what we, what we do is we love what we love and we hate what we hate. And then... We think that because we love what we love and we hate what we hate, that that will produce joy in our life. But because it's the fact that we love what we love and we hate what we hate, it doesn't produce joy. What it does is it produces distraction and it produces pain and it, just, it produces revenge and it produces anger. And there is no joy there because, see, I see that we are filled with love for things that God hates and we have no joy. And we hate what God loves, and we have no joy. Let me see. Let me see if I can get real practical. What are we gonna do when the homosexuals start walking in? We're gonna lose our joy. Depends. Depends on if you love what He loves and hate what He hates. See, I, I hate the sin, but I have to love the individual. And as long as I can get that right then I can be filled with joy. But the moment I get it twisted and I don't love what he loves and hate what he hates, then I cannot have fullness of joy because it is as I love what he loves and hate. Y'all ain't helping me none. So y'all don't y'all don't need to talk to me none about in, being tolerant. We've already talked about that. I, I, I am not going to make room for iniquity. Jesus never made room for unrighteousness, never made room for iniquity, never made room for evil, but he always loved the sinner. And as long as we get it right, as long as I love what God loves, my problem is as I continue to love what God hates and I hate what God loves and then I want to pray and say, God, anoint me with joy, but there's no fullness of joy because I got it twisted. Some of you got no joy because you love the wrong things and you hate the wrong things. See, the, the, the truth this morning, is it, this one's for free, is that, that Jesus was anointed because he was righteous. But the writer in Isaiah tells us that we are anointed that we may be righteous. There's a difference there. Y'all missed it. i got to say it again. Jesus was anointed because he was righteous. What we need the anointing for is so that we can be righteous. In fact, Isaiah says it like this. He says he will anoint us with joy so that we can be trees of righteousness. In other words, he wants to anoint me with so much joy that I am so full of joy that I love what God loves and he counts it to me as righteousness. The second thing I would say to you this morning is that the writer of Hebrews makes it clear is that Jesus was anointed with joy above the others, but not to the exclusion of others. Okay, I'm going to read that again and then, then I'll explain. Jesus was anointed with joy above the others. That's what the writer said but not to the exclusion of others. The, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, he is no, he's anointed above everybody else with the, the anointing of joy. But if he's anointed above everybody else with a level of joy, that must mean that those around him had some level of anointing for joy. Y'all missed it. He's anointed above everybody else. But that doesn't mean that the others aren't anointed 
See, that ought to encourage you because what that means is that, 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 that Jesus was anointed with a great level of joy, but that also means that you can be anointed with joy. Your joy may never reach his level, but that doesn't mean you're excluded from having joy. In fact, Isaiah said it like this. He said, Jesus will arrive, the Messiah will arrive, so that he can give you the oil of joy. You can be anointed. In fact, Jesus should have more joy than everybody else. But at the same time, we should have more joy than those around us that don't have Jesus. Jesus should have more joy than everybody else. But we should have more joy than everybody around us that doesn't have Jesus. Let me see if I can play, play, see how this played out in the lives of the disciples. Acts chapter 13, verse 50. 50. Some, some, some of the Jews convinced the most respected women and leading men of the town that their precious way of life was about to be destroyed. Alarmed, they turned on Paul and Barnabas and they forced them to leave. Paul and Barnabas shrugged their shoulders and went on to the next town brimming with joy. They went to the next town brimming. They just got kicked out of this town, but now they're at the next town brimming with joy. Oh, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, and it goes on and says, two happy disciples. There is an anointing of joy that Jesus had. And you will never get to his level of joy simply because he's anointed with joy more than all of us. But there is a level of joy, an anointing of joy that Jesus is, is saying here and that Isaiah tells us specifically that can rest upon our lives. In other words, you ought to be the most happy, joyful people on the planet. That tells me that the disciples understood that even though they were kicked to the curb, even though they were rejected, even though they were despised, even though they were dissed, I'm going to find a word you understand, even though they were pushed and forced out, they still had an anointing of joy that caused them to have a level of joy that the Bible says they were brimming with joy. So what that means is when you get the pink slip and you fail the test and people talk about you, and your spouse acts like an idiot. And your kids go crazy. And your car breaks down. And your dog does what he does in your living room. Then somehow, some way, there is still this anointing of joy that can rule your life to the degree that you understand that Jesus was anointed for joy. And now that I got Jesus down in my heart, there should be a level of joy in me. So how powerful is it that Isaiah tells us that Jesus has the ability to give us joy as a replacement for mourning so that we actually and literally begin to wear praise like a garment so that everywhere I go, there's a praise coming out of me. Everywhere I go, if I've got breath, I've got a praise because now I've got a level of an anointing of joy on my life so that now I've lost all my mourning and all my mourning has been overtaken by praise and I wear it like a new set of clothes and it wraps around me so that even in my darkest night, even in my darkest moment, even in my darkest nightmare, I still have praise. Some of y'all can't praise unless we get the right song at the right speed 
and at the right volume. And what they're saying to us and what they're trying to illustrate to us is that your praise is like a garment. You choose whether to put it on. And if you become anointed with joy, you can rise up. And in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of trial, you can still praise because you're wearing that thing out. In other words, you're anointed with joy. Isaiah says that he will allow us to wear the garment of praise rather than the spirit of despair. May I submit to you this morning, maybe you already recognize this, maybe you don't. There is a spirit of despair. Some of you have been battling a spirit of despair for months and you don't even recognize or realize it. You just think you've been in a bad mood. Some of you just think life has been so difficult. I've just been down in the dumps. I've just been disillusioned. I'm, I'm battling uh, depression. It's got to be a chemical thing, and it could be. But you need to understand that there is a spirit of despair. There is this, the, the, the devil recognizes that if he can bring in a spirit of despair where you feel like giving up and you feel like quitting and you feel like throwing in the towel and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pull up the covers over my head and stay in the dark for the rest of my life, I'm still, there's a spirit of despair. Good news. Isaiah declares that Jesus is coming on the scene to give you the anointing of joy to overtake and to overthrow and to reign over that spirit of despair. You don't always have to have despair. You don't always have to be disappointed. You don't always have to be discouraged. Listen, Jesus arrived on the scene. He was anointed with a level of joy above everybody else. Why? So that you can kick off the spirit of despair. So if we love what he loves and we hate what he hates, we can be anointed with the oil of joy. Have you checked your oil lately? You can be anointed with an oil. That's an important phrase there. That, that statement, the oil of joy, is literally a revelation of what joy does for us. Listen, if you love what God loves and you hate what God hates and you're living righteously, then the oil of joy should be applied to your life. And the oil and is, is there, and that oil should accomplish some specific and apparent things in your life. That, that This symbolic language, the oil of joy, it, it reveals that, that there are four very specific things that if you are going to walk around and say, I'm, I've got fullness of joy, I'm anointed with joy, then the oil ought to do four things for you. Quickly, I'll, I'll move quickly. Number one, the oil of joy in your life should pr produce softness. Oil softens. Let, let me let me see. Uh, baseball players, baseball players in the house. I have you ever get, went and get, to go get a brand new glove? You don't you don't take a brand new glove on the field. Uh, you, you don't you you can't catch diddly squat with a brand new glove. You can't squeeze that thing. It's too hard. So what do we do? I know y'all got the new stuff, the foam that goes in there. But in the old school, we went and got oil, some straight up oil. We would go get some WD-40, rub that oil in put it in the oven, put a rubber band around it, sleep on it, put it in the driveway, drive back and forth over it, work that oil in. So because oil softens. Well, what does that have to do with me? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with you. For some reason, we think that the more righteous we become, the harder we become. We think the more righteous we become, the grumpier we become. We think for some reason the more righteous we are becoming, the less fun we are. And 
I just came to tell somebody that if you got the oil of joy in your life, it should soften you. I didn't say it would cause you to lower your standards. I didn't say it would cause you to accept evil. I just said that if you really have the joy of the Lord down on the inside of you, and if you're really anointed with this level of joy that we're talking about, you will soften and you will be more pliable and more flexible and you will be softer towards folks. Why is it that Pentecostals saved people that experience God in a church service can be the most hateful people going through the drive through at lunch? Our joy should soften the way we deal with people. Our hearts should be, our hearts were hearts of stone. We come into contact with Jesus. He fills our life with joy. Our hearts should be turned and softened. That means I can't treat my spouse like I used to treat my spouse. And yet for some reason we think that the more righteous we become, the, the harder we become. I just came to tell some folks in here that are really tough that if the oil of joy would get on your heart, it would soften you. In fact, I, I, I can't prove it, but I'm convinced that one of the reasons that Jesus was continually moved by compassion was that he was moved because his life was so full of joy that when he saw people that didn't have joy, it moved him. The second thing that oil does is not only does it soften, soften us, it should perfume us. Oil has a fragrance. When, when you're anointed with joy, you should smell different. People should smell you coming. Oh, we smell some of y'all coming. It ain't got nothing to do with the oil. I'm going to tell you right now. If we were full of the joy of the Lord, the oil of joy was applied to our life, there would be a fragrance about our life where people would be able to understand that there's something different about us. There's a fragrance. There's an aroma. There's this discharge. This sm smells different when they walk through. Man, my, my office complex was down, and everybody hated one another, and everybody was talking smack about one another. Everybody was angry. Everybody was disappointed, and you walked through the room, and all of a sudden, when you're gone, with something changed. The aroma changed. People ought to be able to smell you. People should welcome your arrival rather than dread your arrival. Come on, I know you want to do it. Some of the guys have been wanting to do this all morning anyway. Would you just lean over to the person next to you? Just sniff them a little bit. Just come on, come on, come on, come on. Some, I know some of you college guys are loving me right now. You're, you're leaning two rows over. So can you smell? Is there anything, is there a fragrance? Uh, is there a fragrance that is different about your life? I would submit to you this morning that people ought to be able to smell the fact that you've been with Jesus. Have you checked your oil lately? The third thing is this, is that oil should produce beauty in you. 
you recognize this morning that oil is a beautifier in the eastern uh, customs uh, uh, we we don't understand this exactly now it's a different custom than what we're uh, accustomed to but the easterners did not think that they were fit to attend a banquet until they first washed their face and anointed themselves with perfumed oil they would apply and anoint themselves with oil until they had oil dripping from their hair and their faces were shining bright the oil of joy should beautify you. How many of you know that joyful people are more beautiful? How many of you know that you are better looking when you're filled with joy? Yeah. The joy of the Lord should impact your stinking face. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to save you a trip to the plastic surgeon. I'm going to save you some money. Quit buying oil of Olay. Get the oil of joy. Shine, baby, shine. It should make us beautiful. Uh, too many of us claim joy, but we don't reflect joy. I'm, I'm tired of coming into contact with believers that look like the mule who tried to suck the golf ball out of the gopher hole. You're all pruned up and soured, angry, mad at the world, and yet we want to say, oh, you've got the joy of the Lord. Not if you're not more beautiful than you were. Why is that important? I am convinced that the reason that so many people resist Jesus is because there is a lack of only Jesus followers. The man who said it like this, he said, if Christians were as happy as it is our duty to be, there would be no resisting a faith so visibly rich. I think he hit it right on the See, I, I just need you to understand this morning that the most attractive thing about church I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you. The most attractive thing about church, other than the presence of Jesus, is the presence of joy. Joy should be in should so much be in your life that it makes you more beautiful. Look at your neighbor. Are they more beautiful now than when you first met them? Ah, yeah, okay. Why is it we get to know Jesus and 10 years later we're uglier? When Isaiah says, that he, listen now, he says he will anoint us with the oil of joy. Why? to be a display of his splendor. In other words, Isaiah is literally painting a picture for us that what God does is he buys a store and he has a big display window out front and he stands us in the window and says, look, that's my splendor. You can't be his splendor if you ugly. Never mind. When you are ugly in the drive-thru, and I have been, and when, 
it to your kids. When you kick the... Never mind. When, when your boss drives you to the point when your roommate ought to be killed and you volunteer for the job. You are not being the display. When they see you like that, you no longer reflect him. And then finally, and I'll let you out, not only should his oil soften us, not only should the oil of joy perfume us, and not only should the oil of joy make us more beautiful, the oil of joy should produce healing. The Eastern custom was that if you needed to be doctored, they would use oil. You remember the hero in the parable of the Good Samaritan. He finds a man beaten on the side of the road, dying, and he pours on oil and wine. If we are anointed with the oil of joy, then we should be producing healing in those around us. In fact, the, the, the Solomon, the wisest man, said this in Psalm, or Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. He got it. He understood it. He said, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Did you know that scientists have proven that laughter heals? Oh, studies have shown that laughing lowers our blood pressure. It reduces our stress hormones. It increases muscle flexion. It boosts our immune function by raising levels of infection-fighting T cells. It, 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 is, it, 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 it produces disease-destroying antibodies. Laughter also triggers the release of endorphins, the body's natural painkillers, and it produces a general sense of well-being. Some of us just need to understand that if we would become anointed with the oil of joy, we could produce healing in the people around us. lighten up and laugh. You just think you're having a good time and you are literally bringing healing to people around you. Have you checked your oil lately? Is there anybody around you being healed? Is there anybody around you having their stress brought down? Or are you increasing it? Never mind, you're not. I know you're not. The, the, the medicine, the, the the oil of joy. You have an anointing on your life to heal folks. Well, I'm not a healing evangelist. I, I've never felt my fingers like warm up and, and burn and woo. Okay, fine. But you have an anointing of the oil of joy that when you walk into a situation where everybody is freaking out. You should be able to produce healing. I, I have this weakness. I'm on a, a board. That, that's a weakness. I'm on a board. Um, and it's serious stuff, heavy stuff, and I can't help myself. Right in the middle of the most serious discussions and and. and I just got to laugh. I'm sorry. I can't. There's always, I, 
I tend to find, I know y'all don't believe me because I preach so hard sometimes, but I find the, like some of y'all, I want to I want to crack on you right now because I just see some of the fun. I just can't help myself. Why? Because I got the oil of joy. It means if I'm going to produce medicine, I probably can't be the most critical person. Who are you healing? Can I just stop talking to y'all and start talking to my college folks for a second? Listen, you're in some tight dorm room situations. I get it. My freshman year at Southwestern, I had four people in my room. I wanted to kill them all. It doesn't get any better, by the way, because then when you get out and get married, you're like together all the stinking time. But I love them. She wants to kill me all the time. But I've discovered something. There's an anointing in our life that we get along. And we love one another. And I'm supposed to be producing joy in her. And my kids ought to want to see me coming. Your roommates ought to want to be a roommate with you. They shouldn't be, like, filing for, like, get me out of this room. I'm gonna, they're, they're driving me nuts. No, you ought to be so full of joy that you heal. Our joy should be contagious. More contagious than the sickness of life that tries to crush those around us. First people in the room that ought to laugh ought to be you. I just declare that over us, that we are going to be the happiest people in the world. Regardless of condition, regardless of situation, that you as passion folks, are what is going to draw people to us is not our signs, it's not our t-shirts, it's not our bumper stickers. It's the fact that when you're in Walmart, you're going to be the fun, the, the most fun person in Walmart. I started to say funnest, and then it, I knew I'd get corrected by the English teachers. Laugh at me all you want. You ought to, I, people ought to be drunk, just coming out of the woodworks to come and be with us because they recognize that we're fun. So last question, I'm done. Have you checked your oil lately? When is the last time you really stopped to ask yourself this question? Do I have the anointing of the oil of joy in my life? Or am I soured up, dried up, boring? Jesus came and he didn't quote it. But what Isaiah said about him in the first verse is true about what he said about him in the last verse. What he said was that when Jesus arrived on the scene, he would pour on us the oil of joy. And it would throw out the spirit of distress and despair. Father, this morning, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, the one we picture as so stern and serious all the time, but I believe probably laughs more than we know it. I ask in his name, the Messiah, the one that was sent with good news for the poor and to proclaim the favorable year of God. But I also ask that he would fulfill that last part and he would pour out on us the oil of joy for mourning. And a garment of praise would overtake the spirit of despair. God, I pray over my folks right now. I pray over this body. I pray over these people that you would make us oily again. 
pray that you would soften us. We would never let down the level of righteousness that you've called us to, the standards by which you've called us to live, but we would be soft towards people. I pray that you would perfume our lives. We would have an aroma about us. I pray that when people, when we walk in the room, people would smell joy on us. God, I pray that you'd beautify us. If we're all soured up and dried up, I pray that the oil of joy would be poured over us and that our countenance would change. And when people walk in to a situation where they see us, their life would be brightened by our presence. And God, I pray that you would allow us to heal. Father, the truth is, is that we run into folks all day long that are broken and discouraged and hurt. And they won't listen to us talk about you. But if we would become a display of your splendor, they, would, they wouldn't be able to help it. They would be drawn to you through us. And so, Father, I pray that you would allow us to heal with joy. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you stand with me for just a second? I just want to give you a moment. Not going to drag this out. I just want to give you some time, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it takes. I, I want you to forget about everybody standing around you. I don't want you I don't want you worried about your neighbor, what you're going to do at lunch, what you got to do this afternoon. For about the next 30 seconds to a minute, I just want you to do an oil check. I, I, I just want you to check your oil. Is, is the anointing of the oil of joy on my life? Am I anointed with joy? Am I anointed with joy? Come on, just about 30 seconds to a minute, and then we'll change gears. But I just want you to ask yourself, check your oil. Are you anointed with joy? Father, this we know, that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, and that our level of joy is directly connected to us allowing the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. I pray this morning that each and every person under the sound of my voice or watching over the internet, if they've been short on oil, I pray that you would step in right now and pour a fresh dose of the oil of joy on their life. I pray for a fresh dose of the oil of the Holy Spirit on their life. I pray that you would anoint them to have joy. I pray that in spite of any condition they're facing, 
I pray that in spite of any circumstance they're facing, I pray that in spite of people rejecting them, kicking them to the curb, dissing them, turning their back on them, breaking their hearts, I pray that in spite of all of that, the oil of joy that we have been promised by Isaiah and then by Jesus when he said that we could have fullness of joy, I pray that the oil of joy would rest upon our lives and we would be marked, we would be marked, we would be marked by joy. And everywhere we go, as we walk through life, this ride of life, everywhere we go, we would leave joy behind and people would not avoid us, but they would seek us and then in turn out of that seek you. God, I pray this over these folks and my own life today. I pray that we would be oily, oily, oily. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. And everybody that longs to be anointed with joy would say, Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor one more time? One more time. And just check their oil. See if they're shining this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.